think I'm a little corny. <laughs> and I apologize for that. But I love Jesus, and I, I believe that Jesus is more than just a religious thing. He is a person. He is the Son of God. He is God made flesh, and he loves us and cares for us, and he cares about you and wants to see you victorious. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen so I don't feel like a, like a, I don't know, something out of place. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I would like to just acknowledge some people today. I, I love it when people give of their time and give of their, their day to spend with us. We are so honored to have folks with us today. Of all the places you could have gone and could have been today, for whatever reason you chose to be with us. And we, I personally, and I know the rest of it, we are honored that you would come and sit in our presence. And <clears throat> Now, I'm going to joke with you for just a second, but we have a special dinner provided just for you today. <laughs> but we actually do. We're going to have a covered dish dinner after the service. So, fellas, if you forgot to invite your wife out to lunch, tell her, I'm going to take you out for dinner today. And it's going to be a buffet, all you can eat. Would you like that? Because after the service today, you're going to experience some of the best cooking in Port Charlotte. And because our first renewed, what do you call that, covered dish dinner after two years, three years, is today. It was just one, yeah. So we're going to try to give some resuscitation to that would you guys like to do that so after the service just plan to stay with us even if you even if you didn't bring something and you forgot all about it and you went oh my goodness I forgot it was today well you can stay can they stay they can stay absolutely and you know what Thomas even brought a whole package full of styrofoam to go things so if you don't get to finish it, you can put it in there and have it for lunch tomorrow, right? Now, don't everybody start taking everything home because then, you know, save it for the end at least, all right? <laughs> I like to just tease a little bit. Is that all right? But, hey, listen, we are thankful to have the rights with us today. Donald and is it uh, – where, where are the – where's the right family? Donald, and is that your son? And his, his last – his name is – Oh, you could Donald one and two. All right. God bless. Well, you guys have been here for a couple Sundays already. Yeah, we're so happy to have you back. God bless you. Amen. And then there's uh, Natalie. Where's Natalie? Natalie Noonan. And is that Robert with you? Robert and Natalie, thank you for being with us today. God bless you. We just, God's favor upon you guys today. And let us know if there's anything we can do to help you, all right? And then, um, you, are you guys from Wisconsin? Wow, all right. We've got some cheese heads over here. How many, how many cheese heads in the building? We got one over here. Now, I'm not insulting them. That's the Green Bay Packers. They, they, are they your team? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've got, I've got relatives that are green, but don't, don't talk to Randy. He's, he's a heathen. But I've got family who are Green Bay Packers, and it doesn't matter if they win or lose. They will give up and die for the Green Bay Packers. So I understand. I, well, I don't understand, but I understand. <coughs> and then we have Matt 
Carbon and his three sons. Is that you, Matt? God bless you. There was an old movie in the olden days, My Three Sons. <laughs> okay, okay. Are they girls? One's a girl? Well, congratulations. My wife and I had five, too. We understand. Praise God. Thank you for being with us today. And greet your wife. And you're welcome to stay with the boys and just have, you know, fill up. But we're, we're honored that you're with us today. God bless you, Matt. And then Travis. Where's Travis? Travis. And is that uh, your mom? I'm trying to pronounce her name. I don't want to mess it up. Marquita. God bless you. God bless you. He's going to help. Tell mom what to do. Isn't it what, something when your boys giving you? Thank you for being with us today, you guys. God bless you. We're happy that you're with us. Well, praise the Lord. And everybody else that's here, of course, <clears throat> we're just pleased as punch that everybody's here today. John's going to bring, take his wife to dinner today. Did he tell you yet he's taking you to dinner? That's if you want to go. Brother, oh, yeah, well, Brother Prone's got, I know, I know because you, we've done some bee work together. Welcome back to Florida. Is this your wife with you? Wonderful. Anna, thank you for being with us today. God bless you. Yeah, we've, we've gotten a few bee stings together. So we have that, that uh, bond. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, are you ready to give today? If you're watching over the Internet or if, whenever it may be on your screen, you should see some ways that you can participate with us today in giving. And you that are in the house, when you give, we, we're just going to come on up and do it. And, but what we like to do is we like to not just give. We like to make a declaration and speak God's life into what we're doing. So find, find something to lay hands on, and we're going to just we're going to ask the Lord to fulfill his word because he said that we can actually put him to the test and try me this day and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you're not able to contain. Could you guys use something like that? Oh, my goodness, yes, it would. So let's do that. Let's pray over what we're going to do and make our declaration in Jesus' name. As we receive today's offering, I am believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, for raises and bonuses, for benefits and salaries, and commissions, for favorable estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease and <clears throat> blessings increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Would you come and give? If you have any loose change, Put it in the building fund. That's what this is about. Come and give. Bless you in Jesus' name. Cease. 
I am so thankful for our worship team, aren't you? Yes. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. You know what else I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for our children's ministry that seems to be growing. And that's a good thing. So we're going to let our children's uh, ministry be dismissed to the next room. And you're invited to come. Um, they don't play games and do stuff. They learn about the Lord, but they do have they do have some sweets in there. So I don't know. <laughs> but I am sure thankful for our workers, and thankful for all the young people. These are amazing people. You know what? Take it from an old man. It's not going to be long, and they're going to be grown up, and they're going to be professionals that take care of your, you and the things that you need done. So be nice to them. Amen? It's a blink of an eye. It's just a blink of an eye. And they're, they're grown up. I, there's a, I have a picture sitting next to the monitor on my computer of about a year or so after Liz and I were married, and there she is, this beautiful young lady with her brand-new born son. And now he's in his 40s and got five of his own kids. And I'm thinking to myself, when did that happen? W where did the life go? Well, now, when you're going through it, it doesn't seem to be going very fast. Remember how it dragged by? <laughs> but now it's just, phew. Because you know what happens when you get older? Time goes faster, and the ground gets further away. Have you noticed that? It's harder to reach down and get stuff. It's so far, and then coming back up is a, a lot of work. It never used to be that way. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we need to pray for the offering. Father, we just give you praise. Would you, would you just reach your hand out toward this? Father, I'm not doing a ritualistic thing right now, but I'm really asking you, Jesus, to fulfill your word now and pour into everyone who has given today blessing favor provision prosperity supply of needs according to your riches because you're very generous in how you give when you multiply things there's always leftovers so father i pray that you will bless in a way that's abundant and above what we ask or think in the name of Jesus, I pray. Release that into those who have given today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. <coughs> God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good. To me, I love him so, I love him so, 
Him so, He's so good to me. Would you take a trip with me in your Bibles to, let's see, where do we want to start? Let me take you to the book of John. You know, now John wasn't written by John the Baptist. It was written by one of the disciples named John. But John the Baptist was a fellow who you, uh, you sort of know, if you know anything about your Bible, he was the cousin of, he was Jesus' cousin. His mother and, and Mary, John's mother and Mary were related. They were cousins, so Jesus and John were like second cousins. I think that's how that works. But anyway, John was a fellow, a very interesting fellow. You know, his daddy, John the Baptist's father, was one of the priests in Israel. Now, to be a high priest, you couldn't just become a high priest. If you couldn't go to college and, you know, go to high priest school, you had to be part of the Levitical tribe, the tribe of Levi. So you were born into it, but then to become a priest was a quite a process, and it was a renowned position. Everybody knew who you were, and that there were there were a lot of priests, but they had. There was a, a particular season, according to where they came from in the family and so forth, they could only serve in the temple for a certain period of time every year, and it would rotate. So there was a new high priest that would come every so often, every every couple of weeks or so, every month or so change. But he wasn't, in, he wasn't an invisible person. He was very much involved in the people's uh, lives when they would come to the temple for worship. So, so the people knew who these high priests were, and they put, a lot of, uh, they put a lot of respect in the authority of these priests and held them in high regard. So, so Zechariah... Zechariah is the name of, the f of John the Baptist's father, and it was during his circuit when he was on duty as the priest that something amazing happened to him. He had a visitation of the Lord. The angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, it was, it was an appearance that wasn't a private appearance. Everybody knew about it to the degree because he, and he, was, he was dumbfounded. He couldn't speak but they knew that he had a revelation from God. And he, he told what the revelation was when he got his voice back. But everybody knew about his visitation from heaven. And they were anxious to know what it was that he learned. Now, I've had a couple people, interestingly enough, ask me if I had any uh, revelations because you know for a period of time I I actually was not clinically but actually sort of dead on the operating ta operating table when they took my heart out and they stopped it and they took all my blood out and filtered that and and paralyzed my lungs and all that kind of stuff so I had a few people ask me well did you did you uh, hear or see anything from the other side <laughs> actually no I fell asleep and I woke up, <laughs> and that's all I remember. But John had an ex Zechariah had an experience. See, he actually encountered the angel of the Lord. So when he when he had come back from that revelation and was able to articulate to the people what he saw, 
He told him that the angel of the Lord had given him a word about the son that he was about to have because his mama wasn't even expecting. But he said that this was a a man who was going to be born who would proclaim the coming of the Messiah. So when John the Baptist was born, he already had this legacy that he was the one who would prepare the way of the Lord. So people really looked at him. In fact, uh, they asked, when John was old enough to be asked questions, he was asked by people, are you Elijah? Are you the prophet that is to come? Because they knew something was interesting about him. And it wasn't just because of his appearance. He was a hairy man that was dressed in camel's hair, and he would walk around in the wilderness and eat locusts and wild honey. He was a very peculiar guy, you know. Uh, But so he attracted attention, and people would listen to him, and he would come, they would come to him, and he would speak to them about repentance and baptize them in water. In fact, there is a, there is an old Hebrew uh, Jewish tradition, or, or I, don't, I don't know what you would call it. It's, a, it's not a scriptural thing, but it's considered a tradition that one of the things that happened when Zechariah had his vision, there's a, there's a, a I don't want to call it a legend, but I don't know whatever, what other word to use, so I'm going to use that, but, but it's not a legend, that Elijah the prophet, remember he was one that wore strange clothes too. He was dressed in some kind of a mantle. And the, the story is that Elisha, who was the prophet after Elijah, when Elijah was carried up into heaven, his mantle fell and Elisha caught it. Remember that? And he used that mantle to smite the Red Sea and the sea depart, departed in two. Well, the story is that that mantle was taken and put into a a uh, little uh, cubbyhole or, or, or something, a little door uh, inside of the Ark of the Innocence, which incense, I'm sorry, not innocence, but incense, which was in the temple just before the Holy of Holies. And that Zechariah took that mantle of Elijah out from that place and put it on his son, John. And so there were reasons why people wondered if he was Elijah, and perhaps that was one of the reasons, if that story is true. Now, I don't know if it's true, and it really doesn't matter, but people looked at John the Baptist with such awe that some even thought he was Elijah. Well, we don't know a lot about what John preached about other than we know that he was preaching a gospel of repentance, he was baptizing people, and then when he saw Jesus, in fact, Look at, look at the book of John here with me. Chapter number three. No, where is it now? Uh, John chapter one. John chapter one and verse number 16. So, <coughs> um, John bear witness of Jesus. This is in verse 15 of John chapter 1. John bear witness of him, that is Jesus, and he cried, saying, now we don't have a lot of notes from John the Baptist's sermons, but we do have this one little quote from something that he said 
in one of his messages. And so we have a quotation of something that John said. Wouldn't that be interesting to hear? Here's, what John, here's John's words. Here's a quote from him. This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh afterward, he that cometh after me, is preferred before me because he was before me. Now, now stop. Don't just go real fast over this. Stop and think about this for a minute. John was born before Jesus. Okay? But John is saying that there's someone coming after me who's going to be preferred before me because he actually was before me. You catching what he's saying? He may have come after me in order of birth, but actually he pre-existed me. Now, how could John talk like that? Well, Jesus in the book of Matthew sort of alluded to that too. If you go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 43, Jesus was talking to some of the religious leaders of the day and was quoting a scripture about David from the Old Testament that David called him my son. And he said, how can... How can he call me, how can he who preceded me call me his son? So this whole perspective of somebody following but yet being there before you was an idea that was developed. And it's a hard thing to understand unless you understand this, that God does not live in the time domain that you and I do. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't live in time. So he didn't have a beginning and he doesn't have an end. And he knows everything. So for him, time doesn't have the effect that it does on us. He can be before and he can be after. He can be in both places at once and in the middle because he's God. And because he's God, he can do anything he wants to. Amen? But you can't, and I can't, but he can. And when he <clears throat> knows you, and he's alive and well in your heart, you then have access to things that you don't have access to in the natural. You have access to the supernatural. The souped-up natural. Amen? So John says this. When he saw Jesus coming, he said, this is he. Of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me because he was before me. And then he goes on to say something else that's pretty fascinating. He says this, and of his fullness, of Christ's fullness, have all we received. See, he recognized something about Jesus and that Jesus was not an incomplete person. In him dwelt the fullness of God. Do you get this? Everything that, and, and how can that be? How can that be? Was it just something that God said, I'm going to decide to just give Jesus everything that I have? No. Well, that's okay, but it even goes deeper than that because Jesus is God made flesh. I've told you this before. It's not new. But he, Jesus is God-made flesh. In fact, in the same book of John, just earlier in the chapter, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. 
in him was life, and the life was the light of men. But then he goes on to say, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So God, the word, was made flesh. So in Jesus now, God made flesh, dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hallelujah. So he, but, so what is the fullness of God? Well, I, I wrote down a few things about what possibly could be the fullness of God. That is, if I can find where I wrote it down. So here's, that's not it either. Maybe I'll just have to, you'll have to trust me on this. But you know what? He was full of grace and truth. That's one thing the scripture says, right? He was full of grace and truth. Do you know that Jesus is full of wisdom? There, he doesn't lack in any wisdom, does he? Jesus has got all wisdom. And do you know he, he has, here it is, he has the fullness of the anointing in him. Do you know what Christ means? Christ means the anointed. Jesus has all the fullness of justification. Do you know what it means to be justified? Now, I heard somebody say this one time, and I know it's a little too simplified of a definition, but it will help you understand. It'll help you remember an aspect of it. To be justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Now, I know that's too simplistic because it's, it's much greater than that, but it'll help you. So when, Jesus, when the Lord justifies us, he makes us into a new creation, and the old things are passed away, and all things are become new. You understand? And the fullness of justice, the fullness of righteousness is in Jesus Christ. Now, you and I <clears throat> have this problem. At least I do. Oh, it's con confession time. There are days when I feel like I've done really good. Have you ever had days when you felt like you've been really good? You know what I mean by re you've done, been really, you've been a good boy. And then there are days when you haven't been a good boy or girl. Have you ever had those days? Now, on the days that you've been really good, do you think God likes you better? Does he like you better on those days? Because you were really good. But on the days that you were really bad, he's going, you know? Do you understand, on the days that you've been really bad, you need God's grace and mercy, don't you? But I'm going to tell you something. You need his grace and mercy just as much in the days that you've been really, really good. Because on the days that you've been good, you might feel very righteous. But let me tell you what the Bible says about your righteousness. Your righteousness is like filthy rags. Now, we use rags for all kinds of things, don't we? And they can be filthy with, you name it, if it's in the garage, it's got oil and grease on it. If it's in the kitchen, it's got all kinds of schmutz on it. Rags can be full of all kinds of filthiness. And the scripture says that you on your good day are like filthy rags. That's why you need his righteousness. Your righteousness is not even in the equation. In fact, the scripture says it this way, he who knew no sin became sin who is it that knew no sin? 
He didn't just take your sin. He became your sin. He who knew no sin became your sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So his righteousness now is imputed to you. That's pretty good. That's a good deal. That doesn't even compare to me on my good day. I need his righteousness on my good days as much as I do on my bad days. Maybe that's not really simplifying it too well, but I need his grace and mercy all the time. That's why the scripture says his mercies are new every morning. You know why? Because you need new mercy every morning. Amen? I don't know about you, but I do. Hallelujah. So Jesus is full of righteousness. Jesus is full of salvation. His, a drop of his blood can save the sins of the world and have been all down through time. Because when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, how many people did he die for on the cross? He died for everybody who was yet to be born. He died for them. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So his, he is full of salvation. He is full of victory. He is full of effectiveness. He's full of blessing. I could, I could talk about these all, each individual. I'm mean, going to just zoom through the grocery list, so, but you're getting the idea. He is full of blessing. He's full of grace. He is always available for you. Aren't you glad Jesus never sleeps? He never slumbers? You know, this is a funny, I've got to take another detour. <clears throat> a lot of us think that when God created the heavens and earth, on the seventh day, he said, am I pooped? I think I'll get a cold lemonade and sit out on the lawn chair and rest up and get it, take a nap. God doesn't need naps. He doesn't get tired. You understand that? He doesn't need sleep. So on the seventh day, it wasn't that he needed to rest like you and I need to rest. That kind of rest on the Sabbath that he's talking about was celebration. Do you know, when you purchase or build something that you've been working on for a long time, you, when you finish that thing, you want to celebrate that thing, don't you? You bought a new RV, what do you want to do with it? Head off to... Timbuktu with it, right? You buy a new boat, you want to celebrate. You see? And when God created the heavens and the earth, his rest was a day of celebration. So, so God doesn't, Jesus doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't, he is always available for you. You can call on him day or night. I've had people call me in the middle of the night and go, hello, pastor, did I wake you up? No, I was... I had to get up to answer the phone, you know. But God never has to be woken up. And when, when people call me and I go, oh, I'm a little bit foggy in the brain for a few minutes. How about you, right? But he is always on the ball when you call on him. And he's, he's always available. He's full of prosperity. He's full of wisdom. He's full of power. He's full of love. And what did John say here? In verse number 16, of his fullness have all we received. 
Jesus wants, he does, he's not just full of all this stuff so he can lord it over you and, and try to get you to envy him and say, oh, he's so wonderful. I wish I could be like that. That's like, that's what a lot of people do on Facebook. That's why they make all these selfies because they want everybody to think that they're so great and they want to be envious. No, Jesus does all of this so that you can be full of his fullness too. John said, and of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. Hallelujah. This is good news. That means you don't have to walk around. Now, you know, I told you this a long time ago, and I'm going to repeat it again. I heard this saying some time ago from somebody. It goes like this. Everybody has a brain. Would you agree with me? Well, <laughs> seriously, though, <clears throat> I, I know what you're thinking. But everybody has a brain, and every brain has a mind. And every mind has a belief or an attitude. And every attitude has a shaper. And every shaper has an agenda. Now, did you catch that? So, how you think, what you think, your opinions have been shaped by somebody or something all through your life. But everything that has shaped your opinions and your belief system, everything that shaped the way you think had an agenda. Now, if you are a person who lives after the flesh, then who is the shaper? Who is the one who sets the agenda to shape the way you think? Of course. Because if you live after the flesh, you have a shaper with an agenda who wanted to get you to be totally fleshly and carnal. But if you live after the spirit... The Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is your shape, if you, if the Holy Spirit is your shaper and he shapes you based on his agenda, do you understand? You're going to be a quite a different person than the carnally minded person. And the carnally minded person isn't going to understand you. And they, and the scripture says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, they can't understand you. Because they're carnally minded. But before you get on their case, you used to be that way too until the Holy Spirit changed you. But when the Holy Spirit came into your life and he changed you, now he's shaping you according to the agenda of the kingdom of heaven. That's why we are kingdom thinking people. When we, when, like Liz said this morning, when God says my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, it's an invitation for you to come into the heavenly agenda way of thinking. Hallelujah. All right, let's keep going. So, how then do we, I'm, I'm skipping around here just a little bit. How then do we get ourselves under the influence of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's way of thinking? Well, there's a couple of suggestions I have for you, and they are, they're these two suggestions. First of all, you've got 
to decide to say, I will. Now, you know what? Everybody in this room understands what I mean when I say, I will. Because everything you've done in life, there was a, perp a period of time where you had to say, I will or I won't. Whether it was buying a car, a house, or getting married, you had to say, I will to something, didn't you? How you got to the place where you said, I will, is a, fa is a fascinating thing. But first of all, in order to get the mind of Christ and in order to start walking after the Holy Spirit's agenda, you have to come to a place where you say, I will. I will let God have his way in my life and I won't let the carnal man have his way anymore. Some people, you know, I've met people that have, that, that you've heard about putting a square peg in a round hole. I've seen people try to do that with spiritual things. They try to fit their carnal way of thinking into the spiritual, and they will make all kinds, they will dig up the weirdest scripture verses to try to authenticate their wrong way of life. Have you known, noticed that? And let me give you an example. People develop theology based on failure instead of the word of God because they don't see every sickness healed then they will go to the Bible and they will say well God doesn't heal everybody and they'll find all kinds of scripture verses to authenticate their theology based on failure instead of the word of God be careful of that because you can do that too you can make you can make all kinds of worldliness you can find scripture verses that will authenticate worldliness and try to shape that into making it holy, but you're, you're, that's not so to be. I'm gonna, I, could be I could really step on some toes this morning about this because there's a lot of Christians, Bible-believing, church-attending Christians who participate in worldliness and think it's okay. And some will even go so far as to find scripture verses to validate their worldly ways of living. Do I need to get specific? How many think I need to be specific? How many think you understand what I'm talking about? And how many just don't like it when preachers make you raise your hand in church? <laughs> Let me see your hand. No, just kidding. I think you understand what I'm talking about. You can find excuses for all kinds of worldliness. And brothers and sisters, that's not good. That's not right. And God will call you to account for that. He will. He'll call us into account for that. You need to make sure you abide by the scripture and not by how you think about it. This scripture can speak for itself. And you don't need to make concessions. The other thing, first of all, is so you have to do this. You have to say, I will, and you have to determine to live God's way. And the second thing you have to do is you have to start talking to yourself. Now, I know all of you talk to yourself. 
I know you do. You might not admit it, but you're always talking to yourself. How you're talking to yourself is very important because if you're talking to yourself negatively, you are going to be a negative person that's hard to live with. But there was a couple, a couple people in the Bible. If you go to the book of Ephesians chapter 519, you're going to see Paul. Paul is going to tell us something here, but he's going to base his remarks on something from the Old Testament. But let's go to Ephesians real quick and take a peek at that. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and second Thessalonians. Let's get over here to Galatians. Galatians, or Ephesians rather, chapter number 5, verse 19. You got it? Speaking to yourselves. Talking to yourself, right? Speaking to yourself in psalms and in hymns. And in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. You don't even have to do it out loud. It can be in your heart. You need to start singing and talking to yourself about the Lord, about the goodness of the Lord. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. And there's tons of songs you can sing about. But let your heart be full of praise and worship and adoration. Do you know what I mean by adoration? Adoring him. Brothers and sisters, <laughs> I, wish I, could, I wish I could emphasize this. You need to do yourself a favor and go on a fast. Fast from all the media. All of it. All of it. You know what I've been doing all this week? I found out that all the, my email box is so full of stuff. And it's some of it's good stuff, but it's just stuff. And it's, I don't have time for this. And a lot of it is clickbait. And it wants you to click on this new story to find out what's going on. I'm so, you know what? I found out if you go to the very bottom in the very tiny print, there's something under there with a line under it that says unsubscribe. And you can unsubscribe to all that stuff and it will make your email day a lot easier. You won't have to hit delete, 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 delete every day so many times. Unsubscribe to it. Unsubscribe to news, unsubscribe to social media, and you will discover within just a short period of time how much you don't know about what's going on in the world and how happy you will be. <laughs> Some of the stuff that people are telling me about is going on in the news. I didn't even know it was going on. Do you know that? And you know what? I'm not any worse for the wear. I'm actually a happier person. Do you know this? I used to be very much into following stuff. And you know what? It was a never-ending treadmill because once this thing got exposed and taken care of, something else came up. 
And I discovered that I was always stressed out about something new. And, and all the people that used to be involved in stuff, they are dead, they're gone, they're coming and they're going, they're moving off the scene and new ones are coming on the scene and the stress cycle just keeps going on and on and on. Do yourself a favor, fast from that stuff. You'll be a happier person. Just happy as a bug in a rug. Try it, you'll like it. Because the problem is that the more you expose yourself to that, it will begin to shape your way of thinking. And all of those shapers have an agenda. They do, they have an agenda. You, but let, let him be your shaper. Get so in love with Jesus and, and his word and the deliverance that comes from it and a fullness. Let the fullness of him dwell in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let that be your joy. The, you know one, one of the byproducts I've noticed? I am so thankful about stuff. I am so thankful. And I'm enjoying life. I'm... This last year, I've been able to live a year longer than I was supposed to live, and I'm happy. I'm just, in, every day I wake up and I see the sun come up and I'm happy. I get to see the green side of the sod again. Hallelujah. I'm so happy. I'm so thankful to God for everything he's done. You know that? I'm, I'm just telling you things about myself because I don't have anybody else to talk about. The only one I know is me. But since I've been able to get off all these medications, do you understand that my mind has cleared up? I am so clear thinking now. I feel so good. Now, sometimes I know you have to take some of that stuff to get you over the hump, but it really does clog up your thinking. Do you know that? How many of you... How many of you have ever been on medications before? And how many probably are still on some medications? And don't you know, as much as they help you, they don't help you. It's so good to get off of them. But do you understand this? If you're still on them, don't, don't feel too condemned because you know those little tiny pills that you have to take? The God who you serve is so vast, so big. He's bigger than that pill. He's not intimidated by that pill. He is stronger than that pill. He can overwhelm that pill. And even when you're in that fog, you can still praise him. You might be a little less motivated until you're going to get off of it, but he can give you the power to push through that even. I know. I was there. But he will be your strength and your strong power. Hallelujah. So you need to get off of, you need to change your diet in the world, all right? And so it's by saying I will, and it's by talking to yourself. And so I don't belabor the point too terribly long. Do you know that David was a good guy at doing that? What did he, what are some of the things that David would say? David would say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. He would talk to his soul, you see. David would talk to his soul and he'd say, soul, bless the Lord. I, I want to show you one of the things David used to do. And he talked, you know, David would talk himself happy. Would you like to talk yourself happy? Go to, go to the book of Psalms and go to ver chapter number, um, I think it's 33. Where is that psalm? Psalms 103. 
Go to Psalms 103. Watch, watch this. This will really make you happy. You, you got a Bible with you? You can read it off the wall if you want a Nebuchadnezzar. Or you can read it out of your book, and then you might want to underline some things, because this is really good. I want you to read along with me, all right? Here's, this is David talking to himself. This is, how, this is what you and I really need to start doing. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And not only that, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all your iniquities and heals all thy diseases. Do you get this? Jesus forgives you of all your sins? Not just some of them, but all of them? Even the ones you haven't done yet? Ooh, that's a th something to think about. And he heals all your diseases, not some of them, all of them. Oh, yeah, but I know then there's a lot of sick people in the world. All right, here's the deal. You can either believe, you can believe what you want to believe. I choose to believe this because I know that there's nothing impossible for him. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction, and he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. You see, this is how you need to talk to yourself. He satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. Come on, seniors. He wants to renew your youth like the Eagles. Not the singing group and not the athletic team. Renew like the Eagles. Hallelujah. The Lord exalteth righteousness and judgeth them that are oppressed. How many of you ever get oppressed? Wouldn't you like God's judgment to deliver you from that and make a judgment in favor of you and say, that poor guy is oppressed. I'm going to make a judgment and speak. What's the opposite of oppression? Freedom into them. Hallelujah. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and he's gracious. He's slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. That's not how a lot of people think about God. They think about God as, he's going to tear everything up. Well, no, that's not what it says. It, it says the Lord is gracious. He's slow to anger. He's plenteous in mercy. He'll not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He, he might be upset for a little while, but he, he won't stay that way. Now, I know some people that do. Right? Seems like they're always mad about something. Ever met people like that? They're not happy unless they're not happy. So if, as soon as they start to get a little happy, they've got to find something to make them unhappy so they'll be happy. But that's not how God is. He ha Oh, watch the verse number 10. This one you have to listen to. He hath not dealt with us after our sins. Aren't you glad for that? If God gave you what you deserved, your goose would have been cooked a long time ago. You see, that's the difference between grace and mercy. 
you don't get what you deserve and you get what you don't deserve. Did you get that? Grace and mercy is you don't get what you deserve and you get what you don't deserve. That's how God treats you. That's, that sounds like a pretty good God to me. That sounds like the God I'd like to serve. Amen? He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him or honor him or love him. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are but dust. <laughs> yep, that's all we are. Some of us are pretty fancy looking dust, but nevertheless, we're dust. And he knows it about you. He knows, he knows that you are just dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as the flower of the field, <clears throat> so he flourisheth. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and the place doesn't even remember that it was there. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness is upon children's children. Hallelujah. This is so good. This is good. This, see, this is how you need to talk to yourself. This is talking to yourself the right way. When you start talking to yourself, you know, the Apostle Paul, he said a verse. I, 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 you need to look it up. He says, I think myself happy. You remember that verse? He said, I think myself happy. Now, I know you can take that two ways, but I like to take it this way. I like to think myself happy. Some people can think themselves depressed. But I think myself happy. Try it sometime. You say, oh, you're delusional. You better believe it. Hallelujah. You guys are looking at me like I have three heads. But I think myself happy. And I talk myself happy. And I live myself happy. And I won't let anything drag me down. I am just plain happy. Happy, 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 like that bearded guy on the duck program. Happy, happy, happy. Remember him? As for man, oh, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. His righteousness is on, on children's children to such as keep his covenant and those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has, <coughs> the Lord hath prepared <coughs> his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord. Now see, here's another thing, David. He's talked himself happy. Now he's going to start preaching the gospel to everything he can see around him. He says, all you angels, you better bless the Lord too. <clears throat> you angels that excel in strength, that do his command and hearken unto his voice, bless the Lord. And he says, bless the Lord, all ye host, all you heavenly creatures. You ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord all his works. He's talking to the earth now and the planets and the whole creation. Bless the Lord all his works 
and all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's how you talk to yourself. <clears throat> Sing of the mercies of the Lord. Bless the Lord with all that's in, within you. Bless his holy name. <clears throat> you have to make a determination. I will. And then you need to start talking to yourself the right way. And then you need to believe yourself. Well, I know you do, but you, if you're talking to yourself right, then you'll believe yourself right. Praise the Lord. I'm going to quit here in just a second. <coughs> the Holy Spirit, that great shaper of the agent, that great shaper of the way we think. Now, how then? I want you to go to the book of 1 Corinthians because there's a really good verse here that that is important in helping us develop some understanding about a couple of things just before we quit. So go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 and look at verses 14 and 15 for me, with me for a second. <coughs> I alluded to this a little while ago, but I'm going to talk to you about it just a little bit more detailed right now. It says, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. So if the agenda of your life is being set and shaped by carnality, you're not going to be able to understand the things of God. You won't be able to do that. The carnal man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. When you, a carnal man starts, somebody starts talking to, to them about the Lord, they literally think that person is foolish. Because the reason why they do is because they are spiritually discerned, and a carnal man does not have spiritual discernment. <coughs> Now watch, verse number 15. But he that is spiritual is able to judge or make a determination on all things, yet he himself is judged by no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord to instruct him? But a spiritual person, it says, we have the mind of of Christ. So John the Baptist said we have the fullness of God in us and now in this verse we're finding that we have the mind of Christ. There is a place that you can go when you allow the Holy Spirit to set the agenda for the shaping of your mind that you can't achieve in the carnal. It's not achievable in the carnal. <clears throat> you need to stop thinking carnally. And start thinking spiritually. Now, jump across the page because here's, here's the important reason why. Chapter number three, and this is where I'm going to close. There are certain things that will happen to us if we, let me see if I can use this word carefully, a carnal Christian. Do you know what a carnal Christian is? A carnal Christian is a person who calls themselves a believer, but yet they do carnal things. And here's what's going to happen, because there's a day coming, 
There's a day coming very soon. Watch what it says. Verse number 11 of chapter 3. For other foundation can no man lay than that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. If a man build upon this foundation, okay, so if the Holy Spirit, if Jesus Christ is the shaper, and we are living after his agenda, we will start to build upon his foundation. But here's the material list of the things that people build on the foundation of Jesus. Now, how many have had your roofs done? Had your roof repaired? What did they do before they fixed your roof? They delivered materials, didn't they? We had a stack of shingles. We had a stack of, of that rolled up stuff that they put on before the shingles. Did you get that? And then you had your, your drip edge and you have all the material list there, right? So before they built, they had to have the material list. When you and I build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, here's the material list. Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. Now one day, all of this, all of man's works is going to be put to, it, one day it says in verse 13, each man, each man's works shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. Now it's not hell, fire, but there's going to be fire of the judgment of God when he is able to see what kinds of things can survive the fire of holiness. Because heaven is a holy place. You see, Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. But I'll tell you what, you're not going to be able to take any carnality into the kingdom. It won't survive. And here's what's going to happen. Every man's work is going to be made manifest and revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, if you have a pile of gold and silver and precious stone and then a pile of wood and hay and stubble and you light a match to the whole kit and caboodle, what's going to be there after another hour or so? The wood, hay, stubble is going to be poof, right? But the gold and the silver and the precious stone will still remain. And that's what's going to happen. That's why you cannot take your carnal thinking into a spiritual atmosphere. It won't hold up under the fire. Now watch this. This is very important. If any man's works abide which he hath builded thereon, he shall receive a reward. If a man's work shall be burned, all that stuff is burned, he'll suffer loss. What will the loss be? The wood and hay and the stubble. He'll lose that. It's gone. It says that his, if a man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. Look, at, I don't want to get to heaven and all I will have to show is wood, hay, and stubble, stubble, and it goes through the fire of holiness and poof, it's gone. I might make it in, but I... Stand there empty-handed. You don't want to stand there empty-handed. You want, to, you want to have gold and 
silver. You want to have things that will survive the fire. You know when a spaceship comes back into the Earth's atmosphere, it comes into a place where it, uh, it meets friction again and it, it burns up in the Earth's atmosphere. It goes through a tremendous amount of heat. Do you know when we enter into the atmosphere of heaven, there's going to be a re there's going to be an entry process that's going to burn up anything that's flammable. But the gold and the silver and the precious stone, and that is that's the things that you have allowed to get your mind thinking about and shaped by the spiritual agenda of the Holy Spirit, those things will survive the heat. But the carnality is not going to last. It's not going to survive it. You might make it, but only by the skin of your teeth. Do you want to get there by the skin of your teeth, or do you want to come in there with a rich reward? I want to get in with a rich reward. Hallelujah. Now, how do you do that? How do you start, how do you start getting into a spiritual way of thinking? Well, it's a very simple thing. There was a really high-profile religious fellow during Jesus' day that had the same question, and he said, how how?" How can I do this? And Jesus said, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born not of the flesh. You, were, you did that once, but you need to be born of the spirit. You need to be spiritually minded. How do you become spiritual? How does it happen? I'm going to tell you, it's real easy. You think I'm getting ready to go for a half hour more, but I'm not because it's so easy. Here's how it is. In the same chapter, in John chapter 3, Jesus said to the Nicodemus, that religious leader, he said, God, and you know this verse. You learned it ever since you were knee-high to a grasshopper. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now here is the key. Whosoever believeth on him and goes to church every Sunday, and pays their tithes, and learns the catechism, and gives to the poor, and does philanthropic work, and this, and that, and make a whole long list of ands, is that what gets you in? Do you know what Jesus simplified, boiled it right down to? He said, he that believeth on him hath everlasting life. Now, you know why churches don't preach about that more? Is because if religion can give you a list of rules that you have to keep, then they can control you. And Jesus doesn't have any of that. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. But you know what religious people do? Well, believe in him, but then you've got to take out church membership. And we put, all these, we put all these things. The Pharisees did the same thing. Jesus said, you put weight on people that they can't bear. It boils down to this. Do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? If you believe that, you'll have everlasting life because you're born of the Spirit. Now, you can't make that determination on your own. It had to be the Holy Spirit that said to you, yes, believe it. No man comes to God, but that the Spirit drew him. So see, the Holy Spirit has drawn you into making a decision. And you've got to say, I will. I will believe on him. 
I will. Remember I told you, I will. And then you need to start talking to yourself the way Jesus talks to you. Start talking the way God talks. Start talking about your sins the way God talks about your sins. How does God talk about your sins? Think about it for a minute. What did he do about your sins? He sent his only begotten son to become your sins so that you could become his righteousness. So how does he talk about you now? He talks about you through the blood of Jesus. That's how you need to talk about you too. And don't let the devil or anybody else tell you otherwise. My sins were nailed to the cross. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's how you talk. You see? You talk different. And you think different. And your life changes. Because you're putting off the old man. And you're putting on the new man. Wasn't that easy? Wasn't that simple? Don't, don't you feel a whole lot more freer now than you did when you, all these rules were slapped on you by religion? Just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. When a person's sinking in the ocean and they're dying and they're drowning, what do you do? Do you preach them a sermon, tell them you're not, not head? What in the world are you thinking about? You should have known better than to jump in there without, and meanwhile they're bubbling and going down. No! You throw in a life jacket and snatch them out of it. You don't spend a bunch of time talking about it. And that's how Jesus saves you. He rescues you. He did the preliminary work. He pulls you out of that watery world. Brings you into a supernatural realm. Hallelujah. Anybody who knows first date knows you don't save a person by jumping in with them. See? But a lot of people think, oh, we've got to win the world. We need to be like the world. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, that's just how I think about it. No, you don't need to be like it. You need to be different. Hallelujah. All right, Lord. I've talked to these people long enough. I think they get it. Holy Spirit, the seed's been sown. Bring growth now in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to say a prayer of blessing over you, but, but don't quit. Don't leave as soon as I say it because I got a couple, I got two or three more remarks to make after that, all right, about the food. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You shall bring forth fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither and whatsoever you do will prosper. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and who is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and honor and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, just a couple of instructions when we go into this next room.
find your seat first and put a purse there or something to let people know that it's yours. Don't get in line because by the time you get back, you won't have any place to sit. So establish your seat and then go get in line, all right? And be aware of handicapped and visitors and let them go first, all right? Secondly, when you're done, and you can stay here as long as you want, you can eat as much as you want, but if you did bring food today, please, at the end of the meal, take what you brought home with you because we don't have a place to store it and we don't have people to wash the dishes. So whatever you brought with you, then take it back home with you, all right? And that's as easy as it is. Lord, bless the food in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great time of fellowship together.